Thank you for listening to Bishop Chronicles. Bishop Chronicles is a podcast on stoic resilience and the art of not quitting. Now, here is your host, Adisa the Bishop. Peace. It's time to holla at a scholar. As always, I'm your host, Adisa the Bishop. Welcome to Bishop Chronicles, the first show of 2022. 2022. Hey, I was about to start going on something, huh? Yeah, yeah. But for real, happy new year. I hope whatever goals you've set, you're sticking to them. If you haven't, it's okay. We're going to regroup. It's not easy. It's hard, especially in this pandemic. And so, you know, um, just remember the hashtag, do not quit. Follow it. Because there's all kinds of people posting stuff there. And I don't want you to quit. So, um, you know, this is a podcast about stoic resilience and the art of not quitting. Thank you for listening. All y'all in the Bay, around the world, in the UK. I just got back from the United Kingdom doing uh, my first Iron Hook Advanced Closed Guard Seminar at Gracie Baja Round Hay in Leeds uh, to benefit the pediatric hospital in Leeds, um, which, which is going through a, a nonprofit you should support called At The Atlantic Grappler, an organization uh, founded and ran by Professor Mike Bates, who uh, he just does amazing work. He's about to row across the Atlantic for the children. And so, you know, I have to donate to something like that. And so, you know, he and uh, Coach T over at Gracie Baja Round Hey Leeds uh, invited me out to do the seminar there. And so I did it. It was packed. I was really afraid I was going to get COVID just because that's where the world is at. But somehow, some way, as Snoop would say, it just went fantastic. Great crowd. Great people. If you go to at Bishop Chronicles on IG, you can uh, follow me or follow at the Atlantic Grappler and see the seminar and the numbers of people and and the good techniques. And it was just fantastic. Um, I was on their podcast, which is called North Leads Jits, J-I-T-Z, and uh, did an interview with me about, you know, my journey in jiu-jitsu and then a separate one all about Miyamoto Musashi. It's sick. It's so fun. You need to check it out. Then later I went to London and uh, caught up with Daniel Strauss. What a savage. If you know jujitsu, you know he's a savage. And uh, he, uh, he interviewed me on his podcast called The Raspberry Ape, which is on Spotify and YouTube and all of that. And we had a deep conversation about hip-hop, chess, and jujitsu. That's all I'm going to say. You need to, you need, hey, there's a lot of people that know me that was like, yo, you ain't never told me that story. That's right, boy. I got secrets out here, man. I got all kind of stuff I could tell y'all. But anyway, let's bring it back. This podcast is about grief and sadness and the stoic methods that we can use to navigate these times. Um, I had a great New Year in the UK, in Leeds. I think I had two or three New Year's now out there. I think it's three, but it might be two. But anyway, I always love being in the UK for New Year's. And um, I always stay low pro, you know what I'm saying? Just with the people I love and kick it with. And it's always fantastic. Um, But one of the things that happened is that um, a friend of mine passed away. A friend of mine passed away. And it was the, I, I, I learned about his passing, Tracks a Million, the day before the seminar that I did. 
And I knew, I knew that as devastating as all of this was, I had to find a way to process my pain. And so I'm grateful to my spiritual practice, which is Islam. And I'm grateful for what I've learned from the Stoics on how to navigate um, sadness and grief. And I know I'm not the only one. I mean, so many of us have lost people to COVID and or straight up just cancer, alcoholism. I've lost people to a lot of stuff that have nothing to do with COVID. And that's on top of the COVID stuff, right? And the stress of that every day. So um, here we are and here is this show. You know, understand that, you know, I am not here and it is not the purpose of this show for me to judge how any one of you grieve, right? How we interpret pain and how we process it is real and always different and always nuanced, right? And all I'm really going to say is that, you know, um, as long as you are not physically, emotionally, or spiritually harming other people, harming nature, animals, or insects, or yourself, right, you know, with cutting, alcoholism, drug abuse, stuff like that, as long as you're not doing that, it's probably okay. It's probably okay. And it's probably going to be okay. I also want to say that crying is important. Um, you know, to be a stoic does not mean that you bury your emotions and it's not a negation or smothering out of feelings. A lot of people mistakenly think that, oh, he's so stoic, right? Because he doesn't show emotion or she doesn't show emotion or they don't show emotion. But what I'm trying to tell you is that being a stoic means that you process your emotions, but you don't let the processing of those emotions cloud acting in the most virtuous way and acting with the most compassion and moving forward as intelligently as possible. Never before have I seen so many people who question the job they have, where they're at in their career, the person they're in a relationship with or married to. I'm seeing a lot of relationships go through it. You know what I'm saying? Married or not. Um, you know, these are authentically, like if you look in the Bible, the Quran and the Torah, these are those times. So if you ever wondered, what would I do in the biblical times? Or what would I have done when the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was around? What would I have done in the early days? Ah, yeah, this is what you'd be doing. Except they didn't have cell phones, but this is it. Um, you know, there's a lot of political and socioeconomic upheaval you know, you see a lot of environmental abuse. We just had, you know, the 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 uh, recent uh, Tongan volcano eruption. M many peace and blessings to all of those who uh, have been victims of that. And that sent waves to the West Coast over here, um, you know, with the tsunami warnings and whatnot. So it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time. You know, there's mask mandates one day, then they're gone. You know, should you get the vaccine? Should you not? The stress. I got a booster. I didn't get a booster. I, you know, I, I know a lot of homies who got it. You know, uh, those that are vaccinated, those that are not. It's very confusing and it creates a lot of stress and sadness. So, you know, I wanted to talk, or rather, 
I started to talk about the similarities between the current pandemic and the Antonine Plague of Rome that killed about 50 to 60 million people. Uh, but I actually mentioned that in the Would Marcus Aurelius Get the Vaccine episode. Um, and so I'm not going to do that because you can just listen to that and learn about it. Also, I am going to give myself a little props. Huh, Mike? Huh? I'm giving myself some props. Who told you about CBG? Who told you about CBG fighting the virus and bacteria in you? Hmm? Yeah, that's right. It was me in that episode. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I just be on something so early. You know what I'm saying? I try not to, but I had to do this. CBG, cop some. I get mine from ProTab. They don't pay me to say that. I do. But, you know, these are sad times. These are hard to navigate times. These are frustrating times. And so, you know, I wanted to look at what are some of the stoic methods to overcoming these feelings in these times. So Seneca said, true happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence on the future, not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied. For he that is wants nothing. The greatest blessings of mankind are within us and within our reach. A wise man or woman or person is content with their lot, whichever it may be, without wishing for what they have not. That's Seneca. Another quote from Seneca says, what I advise you to do is not to be unhappy before the crisis comes. Some things torment us more than they ought. Some torment us before they ought, and some torment us when they ought not to torment us at all. We are in the habit of exaggerating or imaginating or anticipating sorrow. This is a big deal. I cannot tell you how many times I've cried before a thing didn't even show up. How many times I've stayed up worrying all night or in the middle of your work day or whatever, and it doesn't even happen. This is a problem many of us have, and it's hard to not kind of default that way, I think, in the way that society raises us, right? But this is where we have to kind of understand when and how to separate ourselves from the way society is guiding and educating us in general. So I think it's really important for me to really remind you that stoic resilience is like lifting weights, but with your mind. That's what it means to be stoic. Right. So if you bought a kettlebell, but you never lift, it doesn't matter that you bought a kettlebell. Right. You can quote Arnold Schwarzenegger or whoever your favorite crossfitter is. It's not going to matter if you don't lift, you won't get ripped. You won't get fit. You won't have strength. Right. So it's the same with stoicism. We can quote Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, whoever we want. But if we aren't doing the actual stoic practices with our own minds in our own time and experimenting with that, then we're not going to do well. We're just simply not going to do well. Right. Our minds won't build. We won't be resilient. We'll just be quoting the resilient ones. But we need to seek to be and embody the resilient ones. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to guide you through this uh experience of what they call uh, the stoic practice of negative visualization, right? A lot of times the reason why we get freaked out is because 
we don't really, we daydream about bad things happening, but we don't really take ourselves through them, right? And so what negative visualization is, is a tool for gratitude through imagining in high detail the worst things first. So if you're worried about losing your job, imagine you've lost your job. Imagine you come in and they go, hey, guess what, Jerry? It's a wrap. I'm sorry. We appreciate you being here, but we no longer need your services, right? How would you feel? How would you feel about your boss? How would you feel about your coworkers? How would you, how would you tell your family members what happened, right? You got to think about that and learn that it's okay. Tons of people have lost their jobs before. You have to visualize, you know, uh, people you love not being around anymore. From your spouses to your children to other loved ones and close friends. Not because of any other reason than we all lose everybody eventually, right? We all lose everybody eventually. But doing the process of stoic uh, negative visualization helps you to become at peace with it. It's like if you were a boxer, you would need to visualize getting punched in the face so that when it happened, you weren't that rattled. You weren't as rattled as you thought you might be, okay? If you're a wrestler, right? You don't want to get slammed. You got to envision getting slammed super hard. What's that going to make your back feel like? What's your emotions going to be like? Right? And you'll realize tons of people have been slammed before. Tons of people have been divorced. Tons of people have lost loved ones at, at trying times. And these are those times. Right? Um, Rumi. Rumi. Do you read Rumi? R-U-M-I? Y'all got to read Rumi. Rumi said... That often your depression is connected to your insolence and your refusal to praise. Now, you may or may not be religious, but I don't think you have to be religious. You know, like if you're not religious, you could take praise out. Right. And you could say to give thanks, to have gratitude. Everything you're afraid to lose, every person, every every car, piece of clothing, your job, give thanks for it now, right? Give thanks for it now. Because if you didn't have it, you, would, you really would wish you had it. Think about that. Like, even if you're in a relationship that's like not ideal, if that person wasn't in your life, you'd be like, dang, I wish they was in my life. Or I had somebody who, you know what I'm saying? Come on now, give thanks to the, for the people in your life, for the job you got, for the clothes you got, for the house you're in. Because everyone's life is someone else's prayer, even though you don't believe that. No one want to be like me? Absolutely. Your life is somebody else's prayer. Know that, okay? So understand when you do things like negative visualization that these kinds of actions will raise your gratitude and it will help you appreciate and approach tough times with more empathy and more resilience within yourself you know like uh, a couple months ago i was on my way uh, across the bay and if you know being in the Bay Area, you drive across the the, the, the the San Francisco Bay Bridge. As soon as you get to like 7th Street exit, 4th Street exit, everything starts to get bottlenecked. And, you know, 
um, someone cut me off and I start getting mad at them. They start getting mad at me. We're all, you know, try, we're not honking, but, you know, maneuvering, whatever. Right. And I had to pause in the middle of all of that because I saw somebody else doing it other in another in another lane. And I was like, look at these two getting ready to get into a fight and argue and crash their ride as they rush to a job that they hate. You're about to get in the fight on the freeway so you can rush to a job you don't even want to go to, a job that doesn't even appreciate you, a job that barely pays you enough to get through this life right now. And that's when I said, I got to chill. Who cares? Who cares? Them couple minutes ain't going to mean nothing to me. And they haven't. And I pretty much forgot them until this moment just so I could tell this to you. All right? Understand that there is a concept uh, developed by uh, a gentleman named Nassim Taleb called anti-fragile. I've mentioned this before, but I need to mention it right now. Anti-fragile. Basically, go online and look him up and listen to anything he talks about or writes. But what I'm saying is anti-fragile is based on this general idea that you have three things. Things that are fragile, right? Like imagine a box. I put it in the middle of the street. It rains on it. A couple people run over it. A kid drives his bike on it, right? A bird comes on and poops on it. And it just falls apart because it's fragile. All right. Now think in that same street, half a block down, there's a brick, right? Car runs over it. Same kid runs over it with his bike, right? It gets chipped, but it doesn't really change because it's robust. It's meant to be that way. The human being, the thing that makes us so unique is that we are anti-fragile. So imagine, right, that I give you uh, a 10-pound weight to carry. And I say, hey, Sally, carry this all day. I don't care what happens. You carry this in your right arm. So you carry it with your right hand, right arm all day, all day. That first day, you're going to be sore. But what's that arm going to be like three months from now? It's going to be strong. Muscles will have developed around it. Endurance will have been uh, uh, transferred all into your right arm, but not your left. Why? Because you are anti-fragile. Your body, when you put stress on it, it gets stronger. That's why people lift weights. Because the more they lift, the more they get strong. In the same way, your mind, look at Malcolm X. Here's a guy that was dealing cocaine, pimping, stealing for real. He goes to jail, right? Starts reading and learning about Islam. He reads the whole and copies down the whole dictionary. He copied it by hand, yes, okay? And he comes out of prison, able to go to places like Oxford and host debates, and crush people. Go look up online Malcolm X debate. Anybody, he's ripping. Why? He's autodidactic, which means he is self-taught. That is because the human mind is anti-fragile. Your spirit is anti-fragile. How many times you seen somebody who was uh, 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 super timid and this and that, but then they start jogging or they or they or they or they start going to CrossFit or they take jujitsu or boxing or whatever. And they become a very beautiful, resilient person overcoming all kinds of things that nobody thought was possible. Right. So this is what I want you to understand. You are anti-fragile. You need to look in the mirror and say that my name is. And I am anti-fragile. 
and then go do what you are here to do. You need to make a habit of investing in your joy. That means you need to meditate for 20 minutes a day. I meditate normally for about 40 to 45 minutes a day. But I make sure, on average, 20. 20, okay? You can do 10 in the morning or maybe 10 in the afternoon and 10 at night. You have 10 minutes. Make 10 minutes for yourself in the day and 10 at night. Get it in. To beat uh, a lot of your sadness, you need to eat better. Come on. Come on. So one of the things that I uh, dedicated myself to this year is I said going forward, I am no longer going to um, eat meat that is not halal or kosher because it's a cleaner cut of meat. And I know I don't always have access to cleaner cuts of meat. And so I will eat more vegetables by default. Okay? It will increase my veggie intake off top. Okay? So go into your own diet. Where can you cut the sugar and the salt? Seriously and consistently. Maybe you need to look at eating one meal a day. Maybe you need to be looking at fasting with, with, with just water and tea or just water or water, tea, and fruit juice, right? But not eating anything solid one or two days a week just to cleanse your system and help you lose weight. I've lost some good weight doing that, all right? Further, you need to read, actually read. Now, I'm not fronting on Audible or different books on tape, but also actually physically pick up a book and read. Only about things that excite you initially, then things you need to know about. So if you got passion for poetry, if you like comic books, if you like science fiction, if you like love stories, that's what you need to jump into. That's what you need to jump into. Read about the things you love. School kills our desire to read. So many kids I come across, man, I hate books. Because you're making them read stuff that sucks. Stuff that's not enriching their actual life. I get it. But you need to reignite these portions of your brain with new information. Okay? Um, also, as far as your diet is concerned, please remember to look up prebiotics and probiotics. I'm not even going to get into it. I've already talked about this on other shows. You need to do that. Changing your gut biome changes your mood. Changing your gut biome, your gut biome is like the 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 the... The, the ecosystem that's actually in your stomach that helps your stomach process food, they can tell how long you're going to live by knowing what's in your gut biome. I've seen studies that said you have a higher chance of dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that based on what is and is not in your gut biome. So look up prebiotics, look up probiotics, and I'll leave that to you. That's your homework for the show. Now, Beyond that, one of my old students hit me up, said he was kind of depressed about some things, and he asked me how we could kind of get some more joy. And what I told him was, comb through your mind and reflect on the times that you have felt the most peace and joy. Ask yourself, where are you when those things are happening? What music is playing? What's happening? Or is it silent? What foods are you eating? What are you drinking? What kind of clothes are you wearing? What is the sky like around you, right? What are the things that actually make you feel happier? Contemplate the patterns 
that reveal the roots of your joy. Contemplate the patterns that reveal the roots of your joy because it's yours. And then try to cultivate those things. So, for instance, let's say if uh, you're happy eating a chocolate chip cookie. Am I telling you to eat a bunch of chocolate chip cookies? Is that what you think this show is about? It is not. Right? But find a way to earn that chocolate chip cookie. Say, you know what? I'll only have a chocolate chip cookie on Fridays after the rest of my week when I know that I've worked out, did yoga, meditated, I've earned it. There you go. If you recognize, you know what? Like me, myself, I only like listening to music with no words right now. That's where I'm at. So I'm either listen to jazz, chill hop, or lo-fi. Okay? That's how I am. That's where my joy comes from. Because I don't like another person singing or rapping to influence my mood when I'm really trying to be within myself. So I listen to lo-fi, I listen to chill hop, I listen to jazz. That's what I do. Sometimes I listen to instrumental uh, dub music, reggae. Sometimes I listen to classical music. You know what I'm saying? Chevalier. Are you up on Chevalier, the black Mozart? You're not. It's okay. You don't need to be. But what I'm saying is I listen to Mozart. I listen to Chevalier. I listen to Tchaikovsky. You see what I'm saying? Where are the roots of your joy? What are the patterns? How do you find it? Maybe you're happiest just soaking in a bath for an hour. But you ain't taking a bath because you're just taking showers because you're just going through the grind. Slow it down. You have that time. And now I have a quick, beautiful story for you. This is a story by uh, a Persian. I believe he's Persian. Where is he from? Atar. I think he's from Persia. I probably got that wrong. Fair I do and don't hate me. Um, and this is a story about a dervish, a spiritual seeker. Okay? And uh, he's wandering around the Middle East, fasting, praying, you know, trying to learn about God. And he comes to an area called Sandy Hills. And he's like, man, I need, I need a place to chill. Where am I going to crash at in Sandy Hills? You know what I'm saying? And he sees a bunch of older gentlemen. He's like, hey, uh, is there like a place I could stay at? You know, what do you think? And the guys are like, yes, there's a guy down the street. His name is Shakir. He's like the richest man in the area. The only other guy who's as rich as him is this guy named Haddad. He's like 10 miles away. Go to Shakir. He'll look out for you. It'll be good. So he goes to Shakir's. He knocks on the door. He's like, hey, how are you? I'm a spiritual seeker. Uh, I'm traveling right now. Uh, do you think it'd be okay if I could get some lodging maybe uh, for the night and a little bit of food? And he's like, yeah, come on in. Here's my family. I'm chilling. I got a little little house out here in the back. You know what I'm saying? You can crash there. He lets him, he lets him crash. He gives him some water and some food and his family's chilling with him. He's like, yo, all right, on the rest of your trip, you got food and water. You're good to go. Much respect. He's like, man, thank you so much, right? Like, you're so blessed, you know? I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Your life is so awesome. And he smiles at the seeker and he says, don't be fooled by appearances, for this too shall pass. And so he's like, oh, okay. And so he grabs his food and his dates and his water and he's on, he's on the road, right? But that he said, this too shall pass, was confusing to him. But he knew that when he really had questions, that it was best to stay silent. That if he kept silent and did not rush to conclusions, he would eventually find the answer. 
for he had been taught to be silent and not ask questions. When it was time for him to be enlightened, his teachers taught him he would be enlightened. Five years go by. He returns to Sandy Hills, but Shakir isn't there. He now worked for Haddad. He's like, what? They're like, yeah, man, he now works for Haddad, man. You got, you got to go 10 miles down the road. He's not even here no more. He's like, what? So he walks 10 miles. He sees Haddad has this amazing place. He knocks on the door. Shakir answers. He's dressed very shabbily. His clothes are not lit, but his face is as radiant as ever. So the seeker said, what happened? Shakir's like, man, a flood came, washed out the cattle, washed out the house. I lost everything. But I got my family. And because I lost everything, but I know what I'm doing, Haddad hired me to work for him. So now I work for him and I can still look out for you. The accommodations were not as cool as the first time. But he had accommodations. He got his food. He got his water. And, and he heads out. But right before he heads out, he turns to Shakir and he says, man, you know, I'm really sorry for what happened to you and your family. I know that God has a reason for what he has done. And Shakir smiled and responded, oh, but remember, this too shall pass. The seeker still has questions in his head, but he leaves. He travels for seven years, okay? He's maturing, and he heads in the direction of Sandy Hills. And he comes across Shakir again to find that Shakir is the richest man in the area. And he's like, what happened? You're back, baby. And he said, you know what? Haddad passed away. But because of my loyalty and my hard work with and for him, he left his entire estate to me. And he's like, man, this is, this is fantastic. This is great. So he, he stays with them. They, they exchange pleasantries and wisdom and laughter and good food and whatnot. And then he says, hey, you know, I'm actually heading to Saudi Arabia for the pilgrimage to the Kaaba in Mecca. I'm excited, you know. And uh, he's like, hey, I'm excited for you. So they get ready to, you know, uh, head off. And he's like, thanks for everything. I'm really happy everything is, you know, come back to you. And he's like, appreciate it. But remember, this too shall pass. So Shakir goes to Mecca. After that, he visits India. And then he went to his homeland of Persia. And he decided, man, after all of this beauty and all this wisdom that I've come to and all of this gratitude that I have for those that have helped me on my spiritual journey, I need to go visit Shakir one more time. He went back. But instead of finding his friend, he found a grave. Shakir had passed away. He looked at the tombstone. It was a very modest, simple headstone. And there was an inscription on there. And it said, this too shall pass. Now, the spiritual seeker is really confused. He's like, okay, he had some ups and downs. He was rich, fell off, came back again. But now he's dead. How can a tomb change? This doesn't make any sense to me. But every few years he comes back and he visits Shakir's grave and he prays for him and his family. 
And after a few years, he comes and he finds that the entire cemetery had been washed away by another flood. This spiritual seeker, this, this dervish, this Sufi, had lost all the traces of a man who had such a profound impact on his life. Now there's no trace of it. He stared at the ruins of the cemetery for hours, and then he smiled. A beautiful smile as a sign of confirmation. And he said to himself, looking up at the sun, this too shall pass. Because of his wisdom and understanding, he became very popular. And one day a king in a neighboring area said, you know, you know, uh, a messenger comes to, to the dervish and says, hey, you know, the king heard you're in the area and he is looking for uh, a wise man to help him. You know, he hasn't been well. And it turned out that the king was, was, was getting people together. He was going to have a ring made. And the thing was, he wanted a ring that when he was really happy, it would calm him down, maybe almost make him a little sad. And that when he was kind of sad and feeling down, it would lift his spirits. He had hired all these people from all over the world and none of it was, was he hadn't really figured it out. He hadn't really figured it out. Without leaving to go visit the king, he writes something on a piece of paper, gives it to the messenger. The messenger goes back to the king. About 30 days later, the servants bring the king an emerald ring. It is beautiful and it is fantastic and it is magnificent. And the king had been very depressed. That was the reason he wanted this ring. And he looks, takes the ring, puts it on. And he sees the inscription on the side. And it says, this too shall pass. And he starts to smile. And his, his mood lifts. He looks at it again. He gets centered. This too shall pass. And that is one of the one of amazing million stories of Atar. Now this is a Muslim Sufi story, but Sufism mirrors the Stoics so much. I had to share it because we all know that all real Stoics love a good parable. The Stoic message of impermanence and the beauty of how fortune comes and goes through the course of our lives is always ever present. So wherever you are on your journey right now, you give thanks for it because it's going away. Okay? And wherever you are on your journey, one day you are going away. So give thanks for this very moment, this very breath, this opportunity to rise, this opportunity to love, this opportunity to help others, this opportunity to refine your body, this opportunity to pray, to eat better, to meditate, give thanks, and know that this too shall pass. Whatever you're enduring, whatever you've overcome, stay with it, trust yourself. Finally, I do want to say that, you know, uh, Never rule out getting a therapist. I got a therapist, and I'm grateful for my therapist. She is amazing. 
Uh, a lot of times people don't know where to start or they're embarrassed about it because of cultural reasons or whatever their homies might think. Throw all that to the left. Get a therapist. You can go online in your area. If you look up therapist near me on a sliding scale, you can probably get free or very cheap therapy. That's what I did. And my therapist is lit. Grateful. All right. So I don't want you to think that anything that I'm talking about is uh, a substitute for therapy because therapy is important and more of us need it than know it. And you probably need it and don't know it. And even if you really if you like, I don't need no therapy, you probably need it the most. So. Allow yourself to step into that reality. This is Bishop Chronicles. I appreciate you. I'm going to remind you to send this episode to two people that you think will actually listen to it and benefit from it. Please leave a uh, leave a comment on specifically on iTunes or on Spotify, right, in support of the show. Thank you. I will see you next week and stay blessed until then. You know what I'm saying? Peace. Always remember to holla at a scholar on Instagram at Bishop Chronicles. Have a blessed one.